Thank you, ladies, for ministering in music. In light of that song, I can, can't help but think about the fact that uh, God has begun a good work in us when we come to Christ, and he continues that work. And I think of Philippians chapter 2, where Paul tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, and then he says, for it is God who works in you. And God is at work in our lives. Sometimes we may not think as much as others. And in light of what we're discussing in relation to the church and leadership and following, God occasionally reminds me that uh, he's at work as I yield to him. Last Sunday night, the wee hours of Monday morning and Monday morning itself was one of those times where God worked very deeply and said, if you're going to preach and teach and you're going to shepherd, then you need to follow me, Christ because I'm your shepherd. So I'm thankful for God working in my life, God working in your lives as we yield to him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your word. And it's our desire to be hearers and doers of your word. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If someone is willing to earn... $100 this morning, you can wave your hand, but wait before you wave your hand. What I would like you to do, I have a chain here, I want you to be able to take this piece of chain, take the last link, and push the chain in a straight line for 100 feet without it bowing in any way, shape, or form, without doing anything to the chain at all. I would venture to say you cannot do that. But if you take one of the links and you pull the chain, the chain will follow. And if you're going in a straight line, the chain will follow in a straight line. In the body of Christ, as we're discussing the body of Christ, relationships in the body of Christ, body life, and so on. In terms of leadership, God never designed leaders in the church to drive people. He designed leaders to lead. And believers are sheep to follow. And as we take just a moment to review, remember that Christ is the head of his body. And Christ and his body, the church, are a unit. The body, the church, is dependent upon Christ. We love Christ by loving his body, the church, that is, believers. To neglect the body, the church, is to neglect Christ. Christ. Also in way of review, love for Christ is demonstrated through passionate commitment to consistent body life, the one another's, consistent corporate worship, and consistent following local church leaders. The above is foundational for godly marriages, effective parent-child relationships, Employee-employer relationships reflecting or rather relating to the government. 
godly relationships with unbelievers and so on. The way we relate as a body is foundational to every other area of relationships. We're in the process of looking at the shepherd, Christ being the shepherd, shepherds in the church, pastor and elders, and followers. Looking at that this week, and then next week looking at another angle of the one another's of Scripture. We talked about John chapter 10 last week where Christ says, I'm the good shepherd, I lay down my life for the sheep. We looked at Acts 20, 25 through 31, where Paul calls the Ephesian elders and says, you know, be shepherds of God's flock, oversee the flock. Ephesians 4 talks about the fact that God has placed pastors. He's placed evangelists to care for the flock, to teach the flock, so that the body can reach out and care for one another. But let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. As Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, along with Silas and Timothy, we know that the church in Thessalonica was established with some difficulty, some rioting and so on, but people came to Christ. Paul ministered there, but he had to leave. And apparently there was some things being said about Paul. Maybe Silas and Timothy also, that they're not worthy of following, they're not godly men and so on. And Paul writes, along with Silas and Timothy, to say, we are reputable men. We are worthy following. We have a heart for people. And after he talks much about relationships, he talks about the coming of the Lord. In chapter 5 and verse 12, he says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you and are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. As he closes his letter, he gives some final instruction. In verse 12, respect those who work hard among you. Whoever you and the Lord who admonish you. He would be speaking of the leaders of the local church in Thessalonica. And he's saying to the congregation, respect those who are over you. And they admonish you and then hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Let's go over to 1 Timothy. I'm sorry. We'll go to 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy makes a lot of statements about leading. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to Timothy, giving some instructions how to lead a church, how to shepherd a church. In chapter 4, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who would judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. 
They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to mess. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Paul, speaking to Timothy, Timothy who would have been a shepherd, and he tells him to do some things. Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage that to be done with great patience and careful instruction. Here he's speaking to a shepherd, speaking to a pastor, speaking to an elder. You're to be teaching the flock. If the flock is to be taught, the flock needs to be present to be taught, but the shepherd needs to be willing to teach. Go over to Titus along the same line as Paul writes to Titus. Titus was, was left in Crete to straighten some things out. And Crete wasn't exactly an easy place to minister, apparently, because in verse 12 of chapter 1, he says, Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. And that's the ministry that Titus had. And Paul gives some instruction to Titus, and he says in chapter 2 and verse 1, You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Speaking to Titus, responsibility to teach the flock. In chapter 3, and verse 1, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. Titus, teach your flock, teach your people to be subject to rulers and authorities. No, those in civil government. Teach them not to slander anyone, to be peaceable, considerate, and so on. Again, responsibility of a shepherd. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 13. In Hebrews, the overall thrust of Hebrews is Christ is better than. Christ is better than Moses. Christ is better than Aaron and the prophets. There's also a theme running through Hebrews of the idea of genuine faith perseveres. And after he concludes a section on faith in chapter 11 and looking to Christ, the beginning of the chapter 12, and some warnings about what happens if you don't follow Christ, he gives some concluding exhortations. Chapter 13 and verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember your leaders. Remember your elders who spoke the word of God to you. Imitate their faith as you consider their way of life. In verse 17, he says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. He's talking about local church leaders because he says, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. That would be no advantage to you. Speaking to followers, speaking to sheep, obey, submit. Then he says something about the leaders. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. 
So I will stand before God one day and give an account for how I teach what I teach, give an account for how I shepherd you as a body of believers. That's my accounting. What's your accounting? Following leaders. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we won't turn there, but we find there Peter writes to the elders and says, you are shepherds. You oversee the flock. Do it out of a heart of love, not because you have to, not for money's sake. So some biblical teaching. Christ is our shepherd. Local church pastors and elders are under shepherds who give an account to the chief shepherd. They act as Christ's representatives here on earth. Believers in Christ need a shepherd since they're sheep, displaying the characteristics of sheep as we discussed last week. To submit to and depend upon local church pastors, elders, shows a dependency upon and submission to Christ. The shepherd-sheep relationship is a relationship of trust. How do you follow local shepherds? How do sheep follow local shepherds? What are shepherds to be doing? What are sheep to be doing? In light of the passages we considered, subject yourself to their consistent, faithful teaching of Scripture, whether in a corporate setting or a one-to-one setting out of delight, out of desire. Scripture emphasizes pastors, elders, providing direction, providing teaching as they teach them people, people being willing to listen, apply, share, interact. And you will find that that has been an issue since the beginning of the church, where sheep struggle in subjecting themselves to teaching. As mentioned in Hebrews, passage we'll consider, Lord willing, next week. How do you follow a local shepherd? Shepherds, accepting and acting on their rebuke, their correction, their training in righteousness, whether, again, in a corporate setting or a one-to-one setting, and that being done out of desire. Paul talks about Scripture being profitable for doctrine, Rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. He said to Timothy, no rebuke, correct, and so on. As sheep, we follow as we accept that from those who lead us. When I was in college, Nolan Roach was my shepherd. I remember on a number of occasions and some sermons and some one-to-one interaction we had that I had to submit to him. I had to demonstrate that I was a sheep and follow him by accepting his rebuke, some teaching 
that he offered me. That's part of being a sheep. That's how you follow. Rest in their encouragement out of desire and delight. Part of people she- or leaders shepherding is to encourage their flock, to rest in that. I seek to make it a point to encourage you as a flock. I could look back over my records over the years, how many notes of encouragement I've written and so on. That's by design. I'm trying to lead with encouragement. Accept it. Someone else wrote you a note of encouragement. Rest in that. Responding to following local shepherds. Follow them as they lead the local church out of desire and delight. Submit and obey, and I'll say a little bit more about that later. You follow leaders who are qualified and those who are leading correctly. And it can be messy sometimes following someone when they're not leading well. But that we'll get to, Lord willing, in a few moments. But just following. Faithfully gathering with local, local body of believers in worship. Out of desire and delight. That's following. Seeking counsel and guidance from a local shepherd in decisions, in struggles, in problems. That's part of leading. That's part of following. It's part of being a shepherd. Shepherds, that's part of being sheep. Submitting to their admonition. Paul says in chapter 5, you know, following admonition. And then... Imitate their faith. Now, if you're going to imitate someone's faith, it's got to be real, it's got to be present, and you've got to be able to imitate it. So shepherds, pastors, elders should be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, that doesn't mean a shepherd is perfect and they have arrived, but they're living in a godly way. And shepherds at times are going to fail. Paul talks about that in his first letter to Timothy. You know, if an elder has a problem, you know, they're to be publicly dealt with. So part of your following a shepherd is when a shepherd said, I blew it, I made a mistake, I confessed it to God, I confessed to my wife forever who is involved, you imitate that and you practice that by admitting you're wrong when you're wrong and seeking forgiveness. You know, it can be every area of life. Just imitating their faith. In light of what we've been discussing, a passionate following of and submission to Christ is displayed through passionate commitment from desire and delight to follow and submit to local church pastors, elders. They're exposing oneself to consistent, faithful teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, encouragement, admonition, leadership and then imitating their faith. Now there's a couple of assumptions there that a shepherd and an elder is leading. Seeking to lead correctly and then believers being willing to follow. Some applications To neglect consistent teaching, 
rebuke, correction, training in righteousness, and encouragement from local church shepherds is to neglect Christ. Christ is the chief shepherd. There's under shepherds. You follow Christ by following under shepherds. My mother went through a period of time with a deep struggle in following local church shepherds. I can remember when I was a teenager and moving into my late teens and early 20s. Mom would say, Dan, what about this? What about that? And she would ask me some things, I guess, because I was in Bible college and so on. I say, Mom, what does Scripture say? Are you following your leaders? They're leading you astray, then you need to be alarmed. But if not, even if you don't fully grasp, follow them. Faithful. Consistent submission to local shepherds is essential for a believer to be mended, equipped for godly living 24-7, since it's a practical way to show submission to the chief shepherd. I could give you multiple examples of believers who said, I'm not sure I need this teaching at this point in life, but I will accept it because that's where the shepherd is leading and maybe six months later, maybe a year later, two years later, they would say to their shepherd, their pastor, or an elder, I'm really glad you taught that. It's molded my life, and it's impacted me a couple years down the road. I didn't see it. I didn't see the value, but I still subjected myself to the teaching, and it has served me well. I remember being at my mother's church one time when we were on vacation. I can tell you the exact passage the pastor taught on. I submitted myself to his teaching. He hit home. Was he a prolific speaker and so on? That's beside the point. But what did I do with that? I took that and I applied it. I was trying to follow. I needed it. Why do I remember the passage? Because I applied it. It was very real to me at that point in time, and it served me well over and over again. Radio speakers, authors, DVD series, TV preachers, seminars, concerts cannot take the place of your local shepherds. There is no re- there's little relationship, nor can they see your daily life. Now, please understand, I did not say... Radio speakers or authors or DV series, TV preachers, seminars and concerts are wrong. I'm not in any way knocking them, okay? (laughs) I just said they can't take the place of a local shepherd. So suppose I listen to David Jeremiah. He lives in California. And I'm having a difficulty and I call out and say, can I speak to Dr. Jeremiah? You know, I'm going through a difficulty. Can I get some counsel? I don't think that's going to work. That's not the design of them. We need local shepherds. Again, not knocking those items, but a relationship is important. We need that contact in day 
by day living. The shepherd, the sheep relationship is very, very important. Jerry, you want to take me over to reality now. As we think about the shepherd-sheep relationship, there's some things involved in shepherd and sheep, leaders and followers. I'm going to make a statement. The shepherd-sheep relationship can be messy, can be trying, it can be frustrating, can be disappointing, but in Christ, we have the necessary resources to respond in grace to mature for God's glory. When you think about leading and following, that can be messy, it can be trying, it can be frustrating. Because we're dealing with fallen humans who struggle and have difficulty. So you come to a local church and you get to know the shepherd, you get to know the leaders in the church. I'm speaking particularly of the pastor now, and two or three years the shepherd leads, or leaves rather. And another shepherd comes in, and in three or four years he leaves. And after a while you say, I just won't get to know any shepherds because I don't want to spill my guts to someone who just walks off again. Ruth and I grew up in totally different environments. We both went to the same church in our growing up years. I had one pastor, well, two pastors, all my growing up years. And I say two, they kind of co-pastor, depend on the year and how things were set up. Ruth and I grew up in an environment where pastors left every two or three years. That really became messy for her, more so than for me, because I could go to Norman or Louie and spill my guts as a teenager, and then I could go to them when I started dating and talk to them again, you know. There was connection. But shepherds just leaving can be difficult. How about shepherds being hard or indifferent? Do you ever run into a hard, indifferent shepherd? It's the way it is, and they never admit they're wrong. So a number of years ago, someone came to me, someone from our church, and I'm not giving any names, and they said some things to me lovingly and gently about my life. I had a choice. I did say, shut up, there's the door, I'm the shepherd here. (laughs) Or I could say, I heard what you said, and I think you're right. You saw something that I was not seeing. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? See, if I'd been hard a couple of times over the years, I would not be speaking here this morning. See, we shepherds sometimes, we leaders sometimes can be hard We don't want the truth spoken into us. And that makes it hard for sheep to follow because, boy, he's really being hard. He's just hard-nosed. He doesn't really listen. He doesn't seem to understand. How about the messiness 
of sheep not trusting. So the shepherd says, here's some good counsel. Here's what you need to hear. Follow me. And sheep say, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if I can trust you. It's messy. Why don't you trust me? Why don't you trust the shepherds? How about just the messiness of experiences you may have had in your past? Whatever church it may have been in, or our own local church, can be messy. So Ruth and I were dating and we get married and she knew I was planning to be a pastor by that point in time. And uh, she said to me, Dan, I don't want to move every so many years, every two or three or four years. Why not? See, her experience growing up influenced her view of the church. So we had some messiness there. So the reason I'm still here after 38 years is because my wife told me so. (laughs) Not really. God was in it. I think he's still in it. But there was some messiness there because of her growing up and my coming in from a different environment and so on. Just experiences we have can make it difficult. Sheep may say they'll lead me wrong. That's where trust comes in. We have to trust sometimes that our shepherds are following the chief shepherd and are going to lead well. How about the messiness of shepherds who don't really model what they should. And someone goes to them and says, you know, I want to imitate your faith, but if I imitate your faith, it's not going to be very good. That can be messy. It can be messy when a shepherd approaches a sheep and says, your life is out of order here. You need to change. You know, who's he to talk to me about this? It's part of the shepherd. Sheep relationship. I think there's a very important key. A commitment to work through items biblically. Both sheep and shepherds will have to be humble and broken. By the way, if you begin with Moses, as the first shepherd of Israel, you will find that traced throughout Israel's history and into the New Testament, that humility seems to be the core character quality that shepherds are to display. If shepherds don't have that, sheep will not have that. And the chief shepherd said, come on to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And he calls his shepherds to have that same mindset. A couple final comments. An unconditional commitment between shepherd and sheep. A commitment to Christ and showing in the commitment to one another.
About 36 years ago, a young fellow came up to me and said, Pastor, when are you going to move? He said, I know you're using Roaring Brook as a stepping stone, and when you find something bigger and better, you're going to move on. I said, I don't have any intent to move. Well, I know better. You'll just be like others that I've known. I said, I'm committed to this church, and I want to shepherd here. And if something bigger and better comes along, that's okay, but I'm not necessarily going to jump at the opportunity because I care for you as people. I care for the flock. I enjoy where I minister and enjoy the community. And he said, well, I don't think you'll last. I care for sheep. I care for you. It would take a lot for God to move me. The shepherd-sheep relationship. A relationship of care and concern. And tied in with that is a growing trust among shepherd and sheep where there's communication taking place with one another. Sheep being willing to trust a shepherd that they're following Christ, their faith is to be imitated as they live day by day. And not that the shepherd is always right, but a shepherd being willing to trust Believers, in the sense that he does not try to drive them or push them, but trust them to follow. And in following, there may be difficulties along the way. And in those difficulties, a willingness to patiently and humbly and gently work through items for God's glory. You can't push a chain and keep it in line. Try all you want. I've tried many times as a kid. What do you need? Someone out front providing the direction for the chain. Pastors, elders providing leadership. Believers following. But a relationship of trust and care and concern and commitment where we look to our chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, for his honor, for his glory. And we show God's greatness as we follow what he says in his word. Let's sing about his greatness as Travis comes to lead us.